said he built this, him and his family, and that nobody's going to question him about what he do. A church service is interrupted by a heated dispute over money. The fight over church leadership and finances at St. Michael Baptist Church in Laplace was captured on video and posted to YouTube. And WDSC reporter Gina Swanson is on your side with why the House of Worship has now become a house divided. It's a scene you don't expect to see at a Sunday church service, a fight in the pulpit. It's a disgrace. It was it's uncalled for and yelling in the sanctuary, all as hymns kept playing at St. Michael Baptist Church. This house of worship has become a house divided. Members say it's the result of a dispute that started with questions over the church's finances. I think they have a lot of preachers using the church for personal gain. We asked questions uh, regarding finances, and it was told to us, take what I give you, or you don't like what I'm giving you, go back where you came from. And for those who did raise concerns, we can't fellowship like we want because we were put out of the church. Myself, with 49 other members, you know, we got letters you know, because once you pass your opinion about something, it's like you can't be there. Vanessa Jones says her family helped to found the church at its first location in Kenner. My grandmother, I know they turned over their grave behind all of this. Members have even taken the matter to court. The judge put a board of trustees to be in charge, and he's just like, Ignored that. We contacted the church's longtime pastor, Leroy Sanders Sr., by phone at his home in Independence. Sanders tells us this is a small group of mostly new members causing trouble, many of whom are not in good standing with the church. The pastor says he has opened up the books to members as required by the church's charter. Sanders also says there's been no proof of wrongdoing with church money, and he plans to file a suit of his own against some members for defamation. In the meantime, members say they tried to have a separate service earlier on Sunday to avoid conflict, but that's when this altercation happened. One member who didn't want to be identified says the rift is causing their family to stay away. We're not attending the church at this time because of the conflict. If the conflict wouldn't be going on, we would definitely be there. On your side, in Laplace, Gina Swanson, WGSU News. By the way, St. Michael's Baptist Church has two locations, one in Laplace, another in Kenner. Jefferson Parish Judge Lee Faulkner heard the case July 6th. He did not rule, but ordered the members to work out the dispute among themselves. Some members are now saying, had the judge made a ruling, last Sunday's conflict could have been avoided. All right, Dave, a brawl inside a church right in the middle of service. It happened at New Salem Missionary Baptist Church Sunday, tonight. We learned that police are investigating after News 5's Conjure Anthony's live in the studio tonight with the story. Conjure. According to the police report, a fight between two women near the choir section turned into a brawl between the two families. When police arrived, only three people from the brawl were left, and they're all listed as both suspects and victims. This police report tells two versions of what happened near the choir section at New Salem Missionary Baptist Church Sunday. Police took injury photos of three church members, but the photos are sealed. At the center of the altercation, Beverly Milam, her nemesis, Perry Bell, and Bell's daughter, Cheryl Lumpkin. Bell and Milam agree on one thing. The fight began with a verbal confrontation at Bible study last Wednesday. Milam said she told Bell to stop sleeping with somebody. She said Bell got in her face. Fast forward to first Sunday at New Bethel. Bell said she was walking from the choir stand during service around 1 p.m. when Milam approached her and said, Are you going to do something today? Bell said she replied she was not going to get involved in something at church. 
At that point, Bell's daughter Lumpkin got between the two women. But a communion day catfight still followed. The two women at the center of the fight have different versions of how the blows began. Bell claims Milam struck her daughter. Milam claims Bell's friend Angel struck her in the face with an umbrella. At that point, family members jumped in. Milam says someone grabbed her by the back of her hair and threw her to the ground. When officers arrived, they had to separate the women. The police report says Bell suffered scratch marks to her neck and upper chest. Milam has a slightly swollen and bloodshot right eye, and the daughter had scratch marks to the neck, upper chest, and left side. Paramedics treated Milam at the church. Bell and Lumpkin refused medical attention. All parties involved said this has been an ongoing problem for several years, and they all want to prosecute. And Memphis police say that it is unclear if this was an ongoing rivalry or a fight over a man. Charges could follow. The church, Milam, and Lumpkin told me no comment. Bell has not returned my call. I'd like to clear up one rumor. No church leaders threw any punches. That's going all over social media, but that is untrue. Reporting live in the studio, Kanji Anthony, Action News 5. What better way to start a church service than that? Was that exciting and inspiring and just brought you all kinds of joy and emotion? It's kind of sad, really. And as uh, I was preparing for this week's message and uh, looking through YouTube at some videos of some church fights and things that's happened, uh, saw several of those, and uh, those two there just kind of caught my eye and said, you know what, that's extreme. Look to your neighbor and say, I don't want to fight. <laughs> I really don't. I just love you. You know what I mean? I'd rather just love you and uh, let the fight and go on somewhere else. Don't need to be at the uh, house of God. And it's amazing to me that uh, as we read the Bible, sometimes we, we think about it and uh, uh, put it into a, a mindset that it was a long time ago and this type of stuff don't happen today. But the more we are involved in church life and in our church world where we exist, we'll find out that those things that the Bible talks about are for our edification, the Bible says, for building us up, for uh, protecting us and guarding us against things. So as the Bible was written by these uh, holy men of old, the Bible says, it was for our edification. It was to build you up. It was to encourage you and to protect you. Won't you look at your neighbor and say, the Bible can help you. It can help you. If, you. if you read it, if you listen to what it says, and if you do what it says to do, it will help you in life. So when we read through these, uh, these uh, books of the Bible, and as we study them together as a church, uh, as, how many has been reading 1 Corinthians this week? Anybody been reading 1 Corinthians this week? Good, good. We've got people's hands up there. If you haven't yet, please do. I, I made it to chapter 9 this week. I made it one more chapter than I did last week. So I'm, I'm carrying on with you and... Uh, looking through the Bible myself, and 1 Corinthians is a book that gives us a, a guide to church service and how that the church, the body of Christ, should act when we join together in a church service. So it's a very good book to help us know what to do and what not to do. Amen? There's some things you should do, and there's other things you should not do. And God wants to give us both of those pictures so that we know how to act and what to do, and he also wants us to know how to act and know what not to do. So as we look this week, this is the third week, and we're going to look at uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 1 through 11. Let's stand as we read these uh, scriptures.
scriptures here, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, 1 through 11. When one of you has a dispute with one another with another believer, how dare you file a lawsuit and ask a secular court to decide the matter instead of taking it to other believers? Don't you realize that someday we believers will judge the world? And since we're going to judge the world, can't you decide even these little things amongst yourselves? Don't you realize that we will judge the angels? So you should surely be able to resolve the ordinary disputes in this life. If you have legal disputes about such matters, why go out to the outside judges who are not respected by the church? I'm saying this to shame you. Isn't there anyone in the, all the church who is wise enough to decide these issues? But instead, one believer sues another right in front of unbelievers. Even to have such lawsuits with one another is a defeat for you. Why not just accept the injustice and leave it at that? Why not let yourselves be cheated? Instead, you yourselves are the ones who do the wrong and cheat even your fellow believers. Don't you realize that those who do wrong will not inherit the kingdom of God? Don't fool yourselves. Those who indulge in sexual sin or who worship idols or commit adultery or who are male prostitutes or practice homosexually or are thieves or greedy people or drunkards or abusive or cheat people, none of those will inherit the kingdom of God. Some of you were once like that, but you were cleansed. You were made holy. You were made right with God by calling on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and the mother of the Spirit of our God. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. Lord, we thank you for your edification. Lord, we thank you for your correction, for your instruction in righteousness. And God, I pray today that these words of this text would encourage us Lord, that we would walk out of this place changed. And God, that we would sense and know that your spirit is moving amongst your body. And God, that we could see that these little minuscule things that we deal with in this life, Lord, that they're just trivial in comparison to eternity. And God, don't let us hold grudges and don't let us uh, hold faults and, and, and uh, to tempt each other. But God, let us be uh, uh, favorable toward one another. God, that we would prefer our brother before ourselves, just as your word says. In Jesus' name I pray. Everybody says, Amen. Amen. You can be seated. The name of this series, Corinthians, uh, the underlying title is Unity in the Body. If there's division in the body, there can't be unity. Unity and division don't coexist. It's one or the other. So as, as we're looking through this book of Corinthians, I want us to see it from a perspective that we should be unified in our faith. That as a body of believers at Bethesda, even though we're on two campuses, amen, the people of Kentucky Heights campus are just as much Bethesdaites as the Vanceburg campus. And the Vanceburg campus is just as much Bethesdaites as the people from Kentucky Heights. Distance does not separate us. We are one. We are a family of believers that believes in God and says that we will trust God. And, and we named the church Bethesda in 1997. I wasn't involved in it, but Sister Gartha was. And the, the name of the church Bethesda is the House of Grace. So if anything, the both campuses needs to understand is that we want to be a house filled with grace, filled with mercy, filled with uh, what God would have us to do for our community. So as we look at that, I want us to think that there is no distance can separate us. And even this weekend, as I was 
thinking about who was going to be here at, at uh, Vanceburg campus this week. I was like, man, there might not be very many people here. And I look around, like, there's a pretty good crowd here. Because I know the Sylvies are in Florida this week uh, on, on vacation. Uh, the Mabes are camping down at Blue Licks this week. Uh, camping, they're not here with us. Uh, who else? There's others that I've seen and knew that was away. That, there's other families, too, that's away. Uh, Dusty's not here with us this morning. He's over visiting his mother that had uh, was diagnosed with cancer recently, had surgery on her lung, and is, is in the healing process from that surgery. And Dusty went to visit her this morning. And distance doesn't separate us even on vacation. Amen? Distance doesn't separate us even when we're visiting sick loved ones. Amen? Uh, uh, it doesn't, distance doesn't separate us even when we're on a camping trip at Blue Licks. They're still just as much a part of this body as we are sitting here today. There's no bigger I and little or you in our campuses, in our body. Amen? We're all the same. We're equal. And God looks at us with equal. There's no difference. He's not going to look at Pastor Ben and say, well, you was the pastor. You was more responsible for the vision of Bethesda than the church. You see, some people believe that, that it's the pastor's responsibility for the vision of the church. I don't believe that at all. I believe it's God's responsibility for the vision of the church, and it's the people's responsibility to act that out. So I can't ask you to go out and love your community if I won't do it myself. Amen? If God gives us a vision to go and, and love on, on the apartment complex downtown in Vanceburg, then what should we do? We should go love on that apartment complex downtown. If he gives us a commission to go and, and help those that's, that's hurting or to send Easter eggs into the school so that all the little kids of the county can have an Easter egg, then what are we to do? But gather together, all of us put eggs together and put candy in it, and then when the kids get them at the school, we're all involved in that. I wish I would have remembered. I've seen it on our table this week, but there was multiple teachers that their classroom sat down and wrote thank you notes on pieces of paper We'll bring it. Make sure and bring that next week, Leslie, uh, for the celebration up there. So we've got all these papers from all these classrooms of little kids. They, they, you can't even really, some of them you can't read what they're trying to say. But it's kind of awesome that they're scribbling on that paper. Thank you, Bethesda Church. Adults can't even say Bethesda right. You know kids can't spell it. So they got it scribbled every which way, trying to thank you for the eggs from the Easter egg hunt. But we do that because that's our vision as a church. And it's collective. It's not just my vision. It's our vision. We're in this together. Won't you look at your neighbor and say, I love you enough to be in this together. Amen. It's kind of like marriage. When you get married, you got to give up on some of your rights because your, uh, your marriage partner is somebody that has different views and mindsets than you. Amen. How many can agree that? If you're married, you better agree with that because it's the truth. When you get married, you got to give up some of your rights. I performed a marriage ceremony yesterday in Carter City for a young couple, and, and I, was, uh, I was praying for them and blessing over their home. And, and during the marriage ceremony, it says that they are to treat each other with respect, that they are to love one another and cherish one another and give up and be willing to give in. And as church members, it's just like marriage. When we join together as a body of believers, we got to give up our own personal rights. Nobody believes that. I said we need to give up our own personal rights. 
That's the problem in the church, I believe, in most of these conflicts that we saw on the screen. It's because people want to be right. They have to be right. My way is the only way. The only other way than my way is the highway. That's how some people live their life. And they end up alone. I don't want to be alone. I don't want our church to be a church just of uh, just a few of us that's joined together and it's just okay to just be us. There's more people that needs to hear about God in our community. And it's our responsibility to let them know who Jesus Christ can be in their life. So as I read this and look at this, Paul is writing back to this Corinthian church and he's telling them, you know, you're looking to the natural law to fix the problems in your life. And Paul's telling them very clearly, that's a mistake. Can I tell you today as your pastor, that's a natural law of human forms of government cannot fix your problems. If every issue we have in life, we have to go before a judge in a courthouse to get things settled in our life, then apparently our spirit man is not strong enough to make decisions and let God outweigh our emotions. Amen? So as God is telling us today, just like Paul is telling the Corinthians, the natural law will not fix your problem. The law of man. You can't, you can't uh, uh, go up to the Senate and to the, to the House uh, uh, it, in Washington, D.C. and pass it over to the president for his signature and then let it go to the Supreme Court to make sure it aligns with the Constitution. You can't even have that much protection on a legal document to make things right. You see, we get in the natural when we're supposed to be living in the supernatural. I thank God for law. I thank God for the uh, laws that's on the books that, that protects us. I'm glad it's, it's against the law in the United States of America for somebody to murder you. Amen? How many glad that that's against the law? Because if it wasn't against the law, there would be a lot of people murdered. Amen? I, I might have even murdered myself. I don't know. <laughs> Back in my former days. I was pretty mad at some people at points in my life. I, I literally had uh, thoughts about taking people's lives. And anybody says they haven't, eh, maybe you've been sheltered. <laughs> I thank God for the law, but it isn't my answer. God is my answer. I thank God for our public defenders. I'm glad that there is a, a, a judicial system. I'm glad there is a lawyer uh, a bar that you have to pass to be able to represent people. I'm glad for the forms of government that we have in the United States of America. It's one of the best uh, uh, designs of, 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 of government that's ever been known in all of mankind. It's the most fair, and we're free today because people's fought for our freedoms. But in all that, I still explain to you today, it's not your answer. God is. Amen. God is the answer, and his ways outweighs the ways of man. And the sooner we decide that and get that settled in our heart that I'm not going to look to man to pass laws to fix my problems. I'm going to look to God, the author and finisher of my faith that can cure every disease that I have. He can, bring, he can take uh, mindsets that I have and transform them into where I don't think those thoughts anymore. Can God do that? I believe he's a miracle worker, don't you? So as Paul's writing back to the Corinth church here, he's telling them, don't look to the natural law. 
Look to your neighbor and say, don't look to the natural law. <laughs> yeah, you can't do that. It's not the answer. Because when you look to it, it will let you down. I've seen people uh, go fight things out in court and try to dispute things in court and get let down because justice failed them. But whenever we look to heaven and say, God, you are the great judge. You are the one that can decide life. You are the one that can fix the problems and issues that I'm dealing with right now. And I'm not going to look to man. I'm not going to look to my lawyer. I'm not going to look to my judge. I'm looking to you, God. And when he gets involved, he changes situations. He changes circumstances. And when we get out of the way and let him do what he wants to do, it's the best thing possible. And I thank God that as Paul's writing this, it's for us today here in this life. And there's times that you have to go to court. I've had to go to court before. It's not fun. Has anybody ever been in court? I want you to raise your hand if you've ever been in court. Uh-oh. Bubba, raise your hand. I know you've been to court. I remember one time Bubba was in jail, and, or Mary was in jail, and I had to go down. Mom and them took me and, and uh, took me down there and made me cry in front of the little flare window thing, and it hurt Mary's heart because her little boy was outside that window crying, and then she didn't go back to jail no more, right? Is that your last time going to jail? Last time going to jail. I cried and made her not go. I got to affect her life. That was awesome. It's no fun getting to go to, jail or to court or to jail or go before these hearings and things, but sometimes in our life it happens because the law is there to keep us safe. And I'm not saying it's a bad thing to go to court. Going to court is sometimes a necessity. But it shouldn't be the first place we go. It's as simple as that. It shouldn't be the first place we go. If we get a speeding ticket and if we're going too fast, then we're going to end up in court. The only way out is to pay the fine and admit you're guilty and say, I'll just send you $145 and I don't want to appear in court. Anybody ever done that? How many ever called the county attorney and says, can you get me out of that speeding ticket? Oh, I'm the only honest one in the room. Oh, okay, there's some more honest people coming out now. <laughs> uh, Lily did. Yeah, she's amen in the whole thing. She's living. What kind of daughter are you raising there, Pete? She's already, already speeding. I seen her running up the street. That's jaywalking. They could have picked her up that day on that video back at Christmas time. She, she took off running. They was building a snowman. She's up the street, gone. So you can end up in court. That doesn't make you a bad person. I'll say it again. You can end up in court. That doesn't make you a bad person. So I don't want to be condemning. I don't want us to look at this like Paul is saying we're less of a person because we're in a court system because that's not the case. Paul is saying we shouldn't be the one that institutes and promotes going to court first before appealing to heaven. It's as simple as that. So as he's saying this, he's saying really in the main idea of this, what we're saying today is life is too short to make enemies. I will say it again. I got one amen. Life is too short to make enemies. A forgiving person will build a multitude of friends that will be there for them during the hard times. A forgiving person, somebody that forgives others for faults and failures that was, was absolutely, they done it intentional maybe, maybe they harmed you, they hurt your feelings, they done some bad things towards you, and if, if we hold grudges and hold on to that and don't forgive them even though they were wrong. It's going to cause us hurt in the end. Unforgiveness 
is a sin. Jesus said that that's the reason he couldn't do many miracles. Unbelieving and unforgiving people will stop God from moving. And it's, it's sad to think that we can stop the hand of God because of our own will. But that's truly how it is. I believe that we, are, we have a will. Our mind, our will, and our emotions, who we are as a person. We, we can have our own will. We, God don't force you to be saved. He will, not make, he will not force himself on anybody. He won't make anybody become saved. It's your choice to become saved. It's your choice to say, I want to follow the pattern of Jesus' life. I want to join a church. I want to get in a group of people that's going to help me commit to God in greater ways than I can on my own. Amen? Then I want to follow him. And if, if we become a church member or a, a Jesus follower, I believe we will become more of a forgiving person. Christians should be the most forgiving people on the planet. The world should see that to where they look at the church and say, wow, how can they forgive somebody that's done them wrong like that? We, that's what the light of the world is. That's who Jesus was. Whenever they was punching him and kicking him and spitting on him, he said this, Father, forgive them for they know not what they're doing. If we were going to be like Jesus, we're going to be forgiving people. If we're going to act like our Savior, and if we're going to name ourselves Christians, which means Christ-like, we're going to act like Him. And forgiving people will have a multitude of friends. Look at your neighbor and say, I need friends. Has anybody, anybody ever had an enemy? Enemies are no fun. You don't, you, enemies are not something you desire. Enemies are not something you wish for, Mikey. You know what I'm saying? You, you don't go around and be like, man, I can't wait till I make me another enemy. That's no fun. You know what I'm saying? I, I want to build friends. I want to build family. And I want us to, as a church, that we, when we uh, eat together and when we have meals like next week up at, up at Kentucky Heights campus, I want us all to be there together so we can break bread like the Bible talks about in Acts. And that's where God, it says in Acts that, that God saved as much as needed to be saved. If we want to see people saved, let the churches join together and love God and love our community and watch us be the light of the world when we start forgiving people when they do us wrong. And God will get involved, and you're going to see miracles at that time. So as, as I say that, that Paul was looking at that, it's just amazing to me that the natural law, and he's telling them, don't make any enemies. I wrote this down that maybe God is calling you to be the light of the world, the light of the lost. What are the lost? The lost are people without hope. That's what the scripture describes them as, as people being without hope. There is people in our community that has no hope of eternal life. They don't lay their head down on the pillow at night, Tara, and say, I'm going to go to heaven if I die in my sleep tonight. There's people in our community that lay their head down on the pillow and think, if I die tonight, I'm going to split hell wide open, and I know it. And if that doesn't bother us or concern us or convict us, then woe be unto us. We should have a compassion on the lost and go after them with a fervor like no other. If there's other things we chase in life, and you know, I, I love uh, things, I love uh, old cars, I love um, music, I love different things. But if I chase those other things more than I chase the lost, 
then how much has God really affected my life? And I think Paul's telling these Corinthian believers to, to don't go to court and, and put on videos. And They didn't have a news agency like this one. They didn't have news channels that would broadcast throughout the community. But I guarantee you, even though they didn't have electricity and news channels and cameras and reporters, I guarantee you there was gossipers. I thought I'd have a better amen than that. I guarantee there was gossipers. And sometimes as I study history, I love history, and I look back through history, and I think, how was that known? You know how that was known? Gossipers. <laughs> That's how that was known. So gospers is, is the way that news would travel. And you think for a minute if there was problems in the Corinthian church, that there wasn't people in the world that hated the church, that hated the believers, that hated Jesus, that despised the good things of this life, and they wanted bad things to happen to the Corinth church. So the minute somebody would get before the judge and bring in this dispute about, oh, well, she took my, uh, she took my paper, she took my... Uh, tambourine oh heaven forbid don't touch a tambourine it's it's like the uh, uh, you can't do that don't touch the tambourine so and, and they would go to court to find out in front of the judge she stole my tambourine the judge like you're going to come to court and waste my time over a tambourine then he would make this ruling okay i'll tell you what do like King Solomon did. I'm just going to cut the tambourine in two and give each of you a half. And then both of you can have a half a tambourine. Maybe that's a good way to do it. You remember that story in the Bible where King Solomon did that, made that ruling? Of the moms that were fighting over a baby. And they went for a judge because they couldn't figure it out on their own. They went for a judge. Solomon said, okay, here's how I'm going to do it. We're going to take a sword and cut the baby in half and give each of you a half. How would you like that? Immediately, the mother was truly the mother of the baby, said, give up the baby, give up my half, just leave it all together, let her have it. Because I'd rather my baby live than die. Then Solomon knew, in righteous judgment, who was the true mother to give the baby to the real mother. It's sad how that the society gets where we take things before court, and it appears to our community to be that Christians can't even get along. Can I say that again? It appears to the community that Christians cannot even get along. And do you think gossip don't happen from actions in our lives? I'm telling you, the community is watching how we act. And if we despise each other, if we hate each other, if we backbite each other, if we gossip about each other, if we if we just go at odds all the time against each other because we always want to be right, the community's watching. And when they look at that, they say, well, there's that much division out here in the world. Why do I want to go to a church where there's even more division? There's going to be conflict. There's going to be disputes. But Paul's telling them, work them out. Don't let them go unresolved. Work out your issue. And the best way to work out those issues, what Paul is telling the Christian church here, prefer your brother or sister. Amen. Put their needs before yours and let them, even if they're wrong, let them think they're right. What's it going to cost you? <laughs> You're, you don't have to always be right. And as I looked at this text, it really bothered me that, that that's the way we are. I'm that way. Amen. Maybe I'm the only honest one in the room today. I don't know. 
I, I really am. There's times in my work life where I feel like I have to be right. And I'm going to tell you, even if it hurts you, because I've got to be right. That isn't a Christian attitude. Amen? That's not a Christian attitude. Paul was calling them to the saints to be saints, to truly honor those other people. If they would invest in getting along with one another, he was telling them they would see harmony in the body of Christ and that Jesus would be exalted. Jesus said this one time when he was talking to his disciples. He said, if the Son of Man be lifted up, he will draw all men to himself. Is that not what he said? If the Son of Man be lifted up, he will draw all men to himself. Think about this statement. If Christ is exalted when we are humbled and when we take the, high, the road less traveled, the one word that we prefer our brother over ourselves, and if Jesus is exalted in that and they say, wow, that's a humble person, Christ tr must truly be at work in their life, that's when Jesus is exalted. And when he's lifted up, the community's watching and they're going to see that Christ in you is the hope of glory. The song we sang a minute ago, Christ is enough for me. He's enough. He's the answer to our, the ills of our society, to the, to the troubles and perplexed uh, 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 emotions that we go through. Christ is the answer to those things. I believe if you invest with your time, talent, and treasures in others' well-being, you will see God cause the pain in your life pale in comparison to the good things God is doing. You're going to see that those troubles and issues in your life, they're going to pale in comparison when you start doing good things for other people. I thank God that as a church together this past week, Rosa last Sunday come here and she stand in the back and she said, it's my sweet 16. Like, yeah. Everybody wants a sweet 16, don't you? It's like awesome. Yeah, let's have a sweet 16. She's like, and the only thing I want to do is go mudding. Really? I know little sweet 16s. Have you ever watched the show on TV? They don't want to go mudding. I'm telling you what, they want this big elaborate thing, and you got to buy, the, rent these facilities, and everybody's got to have dresses, and it's just, there's thousands upon thousands of dollars spent on luxury on these things on TV for a sweet 16. Rosa wants to go mudding. Ro Barb, what kind of girl are you raising anyway? <laughs> I'm glad she's that way because if she would ask for a big luxury thing, we probably couldn't afford it all. But as she was standing there and asked that, and Bubba walked by, and Bubba's like, well, I've got some four-wheelers, and, and Daylena's got a motorcycle, and, and we can all join together. And, and they come up to the house, the moms, and mom cooked, and, and Mary made uh, a cake. And it just turned out really awesome because Bethesda Church went together jointly and made her dream come true. When we invest in others, our troubles, you don't even think about them. Mom worries more than anybody I know. I think you'd call it, some people call her worry wart. Is that what you right, Worry wart. She worries about everything. I mean everything. Tara Misty knows. <laughs> She's a worry wart. Francis knows real well, too. My mom is a worry wart. Has been from the time she was born, I guess, what Francis knows. So she worries about things, worries about things. But one thing I know for sure is when my mom gets something on her mind like I'm going to hold Rosa a party, 
but you don't worry about all those other things because they don't mean as much. The priority is I'm going to take care of Rosa today. And when you prioritize Rosa, you don't have to worry anymore. That's what the scripture is telling us. If we will do right things for other people, the problems in our life will mean a lot less. And whenever the problems in our life mean so much less, the better off we will be. Amen? It's as simple as that. Paul is encouraging the church, do things for others, and it will bring you joy. Christ is enough for me. He's the answer to our troubles and trials. You want to watch another video, Leslie? One more? Yeah, we got another video. I want to watch one more video. It sounded like a normal Sunday service at Greater New Zion Baptist Church in Fletcher, but the Reverend Lavanya Ray was not here. Church officials removed him from the pulpit. The churchgoers are divided with accusations coming from both sides. There was to be a vote today. Should Pastor Ray be reinstated? This is our family, and we're here for our church. And if our minister step up here at this moment, we will escort him through that door. We feel that he is unable to fulfill the requirements that we need for this church. Two Henderson County Sheriff's deputies who'd been standing by in case of trouble rushed to that door, trying to stop the pushing and shoving that started over the vote. People were knocked to the ground and stepped on. Then the violence moved to the parking lot. At the height of the brawl, more than 20 sheriff's deputies and Fletcher police had responded to the scene. Breaking up so much fighting. These people are not of God if you come in here to fight. Don't you understand? This is God's house. They don't understand. This is God's house. For God's house is so wrong. It's so wrong. Well, deputies finally got everyone to leave the church. No arrests have been made, although the sheriff's department says there could be. Pastor Ray told us by phone he believes what's happening is unfortunate. Oh, we already got one. Sorry. Sorry. We got, we got one on the back row back here. He'll keep you in line. And, and uh, it's pretty cool because last week he was down here uh, at the Vanceburg campus, and then his partner was at the Kentucky Heights campus. So it's pretty awesome to have uh, the law represented at both places, but not to take the preacher out of the pulpit. <laughs> I'm glad. For, thank you for not arresting me today. I appreciate that very much. Uh, let's stand. There's a scripture that everybody quotes quite often in Matthew chapter 7, and everybody says, don't judge me. You've heard it quoted multiple times in your life. Uh, people will say over and over and over again, don't judge me. And I, I want to read this scripture, Matthew chapter 7, starting verse 1. Don't pick on people. Don't jump on their failures. Don't criticize their faults. Unless, of course, you want the same treatment. The critical spirit has a way of boomeranging. The critical spirit has a way of boomeranging. And if we criticize and if we cast down others, then we shouldn't expect anything different. 
then that that's going to return back to us. Matthew chapter 7 is telling us, don't do that. Don't criticize. Don't jump on them. It's easy to see a smudge on your neighbor's face and be obvious to the ugly sneer on your own. Do you have the nerve to say, let me wash your face for you, when your own face is distorted by contempt? It's this whole thing traveling, the whole traveling roadshow mentality over and over again, playing holier than thou, part of just part of your living. Wipe that ugly sneer off of your face, and you might be fit to offer a washcloth to your neighbor. There's nothing wrong with wanting your neighbor's face to be clean. But if we're doing it from a mentality of saying, my face is cleaner than yours, and you need to be like me, that's wrong. But in relationships, even in marriage, if we see our spouse making mistakes or having issues or going through some things, we can encourage them and, and talk to them openly. There's nothing wrong with open communication. It'll bring about healing. Amen? So there's nothing wrong with letting people know when they're doing things that's going to cause herself harm. It's a good thing to step in and say, let me help. But it's another thing just to beat them down and browbeat them and say, don't do that. Let's be humble in our approach when we're helping others. Amen. I want everybody here to just bow your head and close your eyes, if you will. I don't know what situation everybody in the room is going through today. I don't know if this past week, if you've had and dealt with some of these things that was talked about today. But hopefully some of these things that was spoken today through the power of the Spirit has connected with your heart and that you've heard the still small voice of God encouraging you, that He's exhorting you, and that you can walk out of this place today with a few answers to some troubles you've been battling. So today I want you to pray this just very simple prayer. I want you just to ask, just say, Heavenly Father, I ask you, through the Holy Spirit, to reveal in this message what I needed to hear. Cause me to change. Let me act like you. Let me be like you. Let me love my community like you do. In Jesus' name, amen. I believe the remainder of this week that you're going to go throughout the week and that you're going to hear God's voice talking to you and explaining things to you. And I want us to get used to as a church of preferring our brother or our sister. It says that in the Bible, prefer your brother, but it means brother or sister. That God don't look at us with different intents or different thoughts. He looks at us all as the same. Make sure and remember next week as we go to Kentucky Heights, please, even if you've never been there yet, please go to the Kentucky Heights campus next week. You're going to get a free meal out of the deal, so you can't beat that, for one.
bring something with you. Come up there and enjoy those believers. It was pretty awesome because this year we broke our record as Bethesda during Easter. Our record ever here for Easter celebration was 118 people. 118 people was our record. And this year, because we've got two campuses and two groups of, two different campuses, two groups of people that worship the same God, we had 94 people here. And we had 63, I think, up there. Isn't that awesome? That we have beat records because we got two places. And there's people that go to that church from Greenup County that won't drive all the way down here. So the reason we're having two campuses is because that's what God has called us to do. But as we join together next week, come and do it and celebrate. And if you don't know somebody's face, walk up and say, Hi, I'm so-and-so from Vanceburg Campus. And they'll say, Well, I'm so-and-so from Kentucky Heights Campus. And then you'll get to know each other. You're one group. You're one body. We are Bethesda. Amen? We are Bethesda. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm Bethesda. I am Bethesda. It's not the name of my church. I am the church. I'm a part of this. We are Bethesda. So love God, love people, and everything you do this week. Make sure and remember to come up there. We'll make sure and post it all over Facebook. We'll call and remind you to do everything we can. Make sure that you remember that. Number 6, 24 through 26. says, The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. We'll have some people up front here to pray with you if you have needs that you need to pray for. Uh, remember to pray for Dusty's mother. That she's, uh, she's healing, but it's taking time. And it was a major surgery that they done, and they worried about her lung collapsing and stuff. So make sure and pray for Dusty's mom. Uh, he gives to the church all the time, his time, effort. And he asked me yesterday, he says, is it okay if I go visit my mom? like, well, sure, we can do it without a drummer for a day. It'll be okay, Dustin. Go ahead and go visit your mom. Amen. And I want him to know it's okay. So uh, next time you see Dusty, or maybe you can just shoot him a message, text him or something, encourage him as he's dealing with this with his mom. And I know the worry that's on his, I see the dread on his face because he lost his dad to cancer just a few years ago. And he's scared. He loves our church. He's a part of our church. And he needs encouraged. So if you can, encourage Dusty and Albie, if you will. I'm asking you as your pastor if you'll do that. The offering plates will be up here if you want to bring up your offering at the end of the service. To help with the financial needs of the church. Father, I thank you for this day. I thank you for this group of people. I thank you for the offering, for the, for the funds that will come in to take care of the business of the church. God, I thank you for this great group of people. And God, I pray today, Lord, as they leave this place, Lord, that they will be a giving people to our community. Lord, that they will give forgiveness to those that have, have hurt them in times past. God, I pray this week would be a week where that we would, we would overcome battles like we never have before. Lord, that you would bring victory into people's lives that's here today. And even those that are on vacation, God, we pray mercy, traveling mercies over them. Bring them back safe to us. In Jesus' holy name, and the church says, amen. Go, love God, love people, and come back and see us again.